1: Why is it important that we don't move on from difficult stories? And then, how can pastors discern their true friends? You're listening to The Common Good.
2: We've got some good news for you this Friday. And later, a top five list. You're listening to The Common Good. Hey
1: everybody, welcome to The Common Good here on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. It's summertime. It's Friday. We are glad That you're with us today. Hope that you've had a great week. If you've missed any of our shows this week, Go get the podcast wherever it is. You get your podcast, subscribe, rate, review. Aubrey, it always feels better when it's Friday, right? It's It always feels
2: better. It always feels better. And I was gone the last couple days, but now I'm back. So it's good to be back with you, Brian. But I love that I'm back for the weekend. Just in time for the weekend. (laughs) It's really good.
1: Well well done. Come back in a couple days (laughs) Yeah,
2: exactly, exactly. I planned that very well, very intentionally.
1: Well played. We hope that you have had a great week and are looking forward to a good uh, weekend. I almost said Father's Day weekend, but nope, that's a couple weeks still that's, away.
2: Yeah, you're just excited because the presents are coming your way, huh? Father's
1: Day gets gets really uh, kind of much, much less hoopla than Mother's Day.
2: Oh, really? Yeah. That, I mean, that's fair. That's true. It's fair. Fair is not, you know, moms do more, so it's they should get fair. celebrated more.
1: It's fair. Okay. Uh, Aubrey, we've talked a lot of, of, of hard stories over the last couple of weeks, I think, of the war in the Ukraine. That mm-hmm. we've been talking about now for well over 100 days right. because it's been going on. Right. I think of economic problems that people are having through inflation and through uh, you know gas prices, whatever else. And then obviously in the last couple of weeks talking about multiple shootings, right. but primarily the one in Uvalde, Texas yes. that is just still heart wrenching and, and somehow seems to get more sad with each story that you listen I'm to. I'm
2: telling you it's like the more the more things that could have prevented it. It's crazy. Oh, it just makes you so sick to your stomach and I just and the parents ongoing yeah. grief, of course, the family's ongoing grief. It's just horrific. It
1: is. And then you you know, you turn on the Today show or Good Morning America or mm-hmm. whatever and there's another shooting Yeah, there were and, more
2: mass shootings last weekend too. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
1: And so the question becomes when you do a show like ours, but even not publicly, but privately in your yeah, own life. Yeah. Is it okay to just mm. listen? I can't handle all the bad news. Mm. Uh, and and kind of shut it out. Kind of go about my life. Yeah. I'm going to just do my thing. And I don't want to talk about these things anymore. Yeah. Is that healthy? I'm sure it's healthy on some level at mm-hmm. some point. But is that the posture we should be taking? Yeah. Uh, and also, even not not even when it just comes to all the public grief and the difficulties, but you know, a friend is sick uh, mm-hmm. with with cancer mm-hmm. or somebody has lost a loved one or whatever else it might be. Does there come a point where you just try to move on from mm. the difficult stories of life? And in a second, I'm going to want to look at an article that Russell Moore wrote at Christianity Today uh, on this subject. But what are your thoughts? What do you think about this idea of listen? Yeah. Enough already about the mass shootings. Enough yeah. already about the war or whatever else it might be.
2: It's funny you say this because I w- I was talking to a good friend of mine and and um something I had said on the show I was kind of expressing to her like I wish especially after Uvalde I wish we would have had a national day of um grief mm-hmm. and no one went to school no one went to work we just or or at least a moment of silence like something to collectively acknowledge what happened and she was like oh I totally disagree. I don't want to even think about it. Mm -hmm. I don't even Mm -hmm. want it. Like she was like, I need to compartmentalize. I can't watch the news stories. I can't. And I kind of pushed back on her a bit because I really, I mean, one, the people who are suffering that cannot push back on it, Mm -hmm. cannot put pause on the grief Two, As, as followers of Jesus, we really, I mean, we are called to, to weep with those who weep mourn with those who mourn, lament with those who lament, suffer with those who suffer. And I'm not saying that that means we have to be, if, especially if it's not our particular grief, do we have to like, constantly walk around so depressed and so mournful. But I don't think... I think if we get to the point where we're like, it's just too hard for me, I can't go there that should uh, maybe just cause you to ponder. Like, mm. in some ways I understand that it's healthy, especially if it like triggers your own pain and grief, but I also think it's unhealthy because that, that numbness, that coldness, or that unwillingness to enter in, I don't think is very Christ-like.
1: Yeah. yeah. Russell Moore says this, sustained attention is so difficult with trauma and tragedy because we don't want to think about such darkness. Of course not. There's yeah. a reason why most people turn away from a car accident along the highway. We'd rather pretend that such horrors don't or can't happen and we do this not just with the terrors in the world but with our own personal ac- apocalypse or impending death he says we do have a tendency as yeah. human beings to whitewash things right yeah. like to go yeah. i don't want to think about that anymore and and he makes he makes the leap here now to say and we do that about our own issues and our mm. own struggles that we don't want to think about difficulties we don't want to yeah. Uh, sit into the difficulties, to think about our own mortality or other things. But what happens in our own lives, Aubrey, when we whitewash things and we just kind of go, eh, everything's right. always going to be fine?
2: Well, I know Moore actually talks about this book, but I was going to bring this up anyway. There's a, there's a book called The Body Keeps the Score, Which essentially talks about how in people's trauma, even though we may try to forget this thing that happened or even subconsciously, let's say we do forget our body remembers. And that Mm. means that there are things that happen, anxiety attacks, um, chronic pain, uh, headaches, not being able to sleep at night or sleeping too much or like you freak out about something else that isn't even really related. Like your body has a way of reacting when you don't actually take the time to emotionally and healthily heal with the pain that you're or heal and address the pain that you're dealing with and so it's like i mean it's gonna come out yes it, it you know it, you can't you, it's like taking a whole bunch of like stinky disgusting garbage and being like okay i'm not gonna deal with it i'm gonna just put it up in the attic and you just think <laughs> well it's hidden well it's not hidden soon the whole house is gonna smell yeah. and uh, so you have to tend to it or your body's gonna tend to it
1: yeah and and i do think as christians we can say uh to understand the bad news and the brokenness of this world, to to feel that does allow us to see how good the good news of that's Jesus right. is. It's not the that's not the reason yeah. that we said but yeah. to ignore one I think to to acknowledge one opens the door to the other mm-hmm. is, is, I guess, my point. Moore says this. He closes this way. We are indeed overwhelmed by much darkness all around us and inside us. Sometimes we will disagree on the exact steps to take to address the problems. and There will always be powerful forces around us who don't want us to address them at all. So we just, quote, move on until the next horror after which we will move on again. As the people of Jesus, we dare not fall prey to that tendency. Jesus, after all, is the one who never turned away from even the most terrifying realities, leprosy, bleeding, and suffering of all sorts. One of the most remarkable things about Jesus is not just that he healed those who bore great difficulty, but that he saw them in the first place. He sees us. So good. Jesus moves on but not without carrying a wounded sheep on his back. We should go and do likewise. That's Russell Moore. So good. Yeah. Tell me why you think that's good. Tell me why that sentiment is helpful.
2: Um. Well, one, I think it's pretty convicting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but two, I, I think he's right that that's who Jesus was. And therefore, as the people of Jesus, people who, wa- who want to be like Jesus, then we can't we can't turn away from from mm-hmm. heartache and pain. And I do think taking it a step back like Russell Moore did and just saying, like, not just that he did something, but he saw people hurting. We are so... What we're doing when we're saying, I can't go there, I'm too numb, is we're unwilling to see people and their pain. Mm. And so taking that first step that Jesus took to see people and then to move forward in compassion, I mean, again, that's being like Jesus. And then I, I do think the next thing would be that that's showing the hurting person, the love and presence of Jesus, because we get to be that incarnationally for people. Yes.
1: Yeah. And that's so helpful that Jesus did this for us. Yeah. And so if you're going through it right now, you can you can rest in that yeah. and you can find peace yeah. in that. But then now that, as Russell Moore says, we are to go and do likewise, uh, you know, I, I feel like doing a show like we do, it, one of the overwhelming parts of it is To have to keep talking about the mass shooting or the abuse in the church or whatever, the death of somebody famous or whatever else it might be. This is a good reminder for Russell Moore why we don't want to just move on Mm -hmm. and just pretend everything's fine in the world. All right, Aubrey, there are four letters (laughs) that if you grew up, you and I like to talk about 90s kind of Mm -hmm. uh, evangelical high school. Like, I think you and I will have a competition someday, but I am sure that one thing I will beat you at is... Amount of like cringy, yeah, Christian, yeah, uh, subculture, and that's even before I worked for Testaments. <laughs> but like in high school and stuff, yeah, you I've will. Told you you'll bef- beat me. I've told you before my trauma of see you at the poll. Oh, that the, story
2: is my favorite story. The,
1: uh, the amount of tra- but I, you know what, I did. You also
2: had a lot of Christian t shirts, well, right? that was
1: my thing. Lots yeah. of Christian t shirts yeah. that would be like yeah. right. sometimes they were funny. Uh-huh. Sometimes they were probably a little aggressive. Honey. But sometimes probably a little aggressive, like touching on hell a little bit. Like, I don't know. I'm scared to evangelize, but read my shirt. Read my T-shirt. <laughs> I was, little Brian. I was listening to the Newsboys and Petra and yeah, all that. Yeah, you, you
2: definitely beat me when it comes you know, to evangelical culture in the 90s. And I was
1: going to all the conferences. and this, So yeah. I, I feel like I could win. You could win. What no I doubt. never had, there's two things that I never had. Okay. is because I wasn't a big jewelry person. Okay, okay. I never had a purity ring of any sort.
2: Oh, I had that. I had that. Yep.
1: Yep. Okay, uh, I'd like to hear the genesis of that. Okay. Was that. Like a conference, and they handed out rings. What did uh? Uh,
2: yeah, it was sort of like our church did it, and my dad—you know—the dads bought the rings for the daughters, uh... and we stood up in church and had a ceremony, and my dad put a ring on my finger, which is a little cringy <laughs> as I'm talking about it now. Ew. Uh, I,
1: will, uh, I, will, but... I, will, I will raise you and tell you that when I was in high school and college, I went to Promise Keepers' choice.
2: Okay, okay, all so, right, okay. okay. That makes me feel a little less—I'm less blushy now that I, I hear
1: that. <laughs> I have stories about the ring. But I'm gonna let them all okay. go. Yeah. I'm gonna let
2: them all go. Okay. Okay. Here's
1: the second thing I never yeah. had, and and I'm a little embarrassed by this. I feel like everything I've told you about myself, I should have had. Theirs.
2: Yeah. What, what? What? I feel like
1: I should have been sporting multiple WWJD mm. bracelets.
2: You should have been. Yeah. What? That's strictly because of the jewelry, and you didn't do a different version of it, like a WWJD shirt or.
1: Oh no, I didn't.
2: Bumper sticker.
1: I mean, I wasn't driving it. I time. guess that's true. I never had
2: one either, but that shouldn't surprise you. The uh,
1: yeah, that was a that that was a miss for yeah, me. Right yeah, like yeah, you missed been your it. moment. <laughs> Although I do have to tell you, even to this day, I hate wearing things. Okay, um, like Carrie has bought me multiple watches. Really, in, and you're like, I can't of our do marriage, it, and I just don't wear. Them.
2: Interesting. And like she's
1: tried to turn me into a watch person, and you're like, and I no. hate the feel of yeah. like something on my wrist. My,
2: my this, I, I don't know how this will make you feel. My mom is exactly the same way. You can't buy my mom jewelry, bracelets, watches because she just doesn't. She doesn't like stuff on her. It makes me like your mother. Yeah, you and my there mom are so similar. There you go. No, you. I'm glad to know you wear a wedding ring. Have you tried one of those? Like, uh, you've seen the like exercise guys wear them. They're like almost. Um, Plastic sounds cheesy, but they're kind of that material, like rubbery.
1: I've shared with you my current um, relationship with exercise. (laughs) That includes exercise
2: jewelry as well. You're just not going to go
1: there. uh, I'm hoping as my back gets a little better to change that, but I don't feel a need for that. Although ever since the day we were married, I I keep my wedding ring at all times. Nice. um, Well done, sir. Except when I take a shower.
2: Oh, okay. Have you lost it ever? No,
1: I just don't like how it feels. So anyway... Okay, all that to say, WWJD. Yes. Tell people what that stands for. What
2: would Jesus do? So the, I
1: believe this came out of a book back in the 90s or maybe before that. Uh, but it became quite the movement, and that's why I joke about the wristbands. Everybody Most,
2: wore those wristbands that said WWJD, right? Or be, beads, the, even?
1: Beads, uh-huh. everything. Yeah. Yeah. If we know what to do as Christians, we're going to market these things. So you could have them in a lot of things. Uh, but the the question that we were taught to ask ourselves is – and this is why you wore the wristband, right? So it was supposed to remind it, you. You know, you wore the purity ring so that mm-hmm. when you wanted a date, you went, oh. Yes. Okay. Right. Uh, the, the wristband, I could – if there was a situation I found myself in, or something I was thinking, or a temptation—temptation—what was I supposed to ask the question? Then? What would Jesus do? What would Jesus? Yeah, do I mean, right that's
2: now? it's it's solid. It's a good well, let question.
1: Me, let me ask you: Do yeah. you believe that's good theology? That we're going to get relevant yeah. magazine? Relevant magazine wrote WWJD right now?
2: Question mark. I mean, I, do I do I think the whole. Bracelet and stuff is super cheesy, yeah. But, like, of course, to ask if you're doing something, would Jesus respond this way? How would Jesus show compassion? How would Jesus act? How would, I think that's great. I think, like, you know, the underneath the cheese is a goal, I think, to honor Jesus. Now, I, I guess what's problematic is if you're interpreting what Jesus would do really different than what I'm interpreting Correct. what Jesus would do, and that that sort of creates some problems. But I would say at its heart, yeah, you got a bunch of teenagers that want to obey Jesus. Go for it.
1: Okay. Uh, So this article is going to push back on it a little bit. Yeah. Let me ask you this. They're going to ask this question. Okay. They claim, and this could be overthinking it. There was like a whole genre of people pushing back on the W, like they, oh, let's ask this question. Yeah. Well, that's what Relevant Magazine is going to do. They're going to ask this question. What is Jesus doing? W-I-J-D. Okay, it okay. Said it isn't quite as catchy, yep. But it's a question that served this author well. Jesus is not just a blueprint for someone who would always do the right thing. He's a living and active son of God who is at work in the world today, and he's not just there when you're not sure what the right thing to do is. He's working around you and in you at all times. So WWJD might have some usefulness, but asking what Jesus is doing in your life is always pertinent. Overthinking it, or is that a helpful clarification?
2: I mean, this might have been helpful like twenty years ago when these, when this was really popular. Uh-huh. You know, like oh, let's think about it this way instead. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that. I think it's semantics. Like, what would Jesus do could also be what is Jesus doing.
1: So, do you think that this is a helpful question? Would you tell people to ask this question of themselves? Like, someone's meeting with mm-hmm. you, Aubrey. I struggle with temptation. Mm-hmm. I, you know, this one particular area, yeah. or I don't know what. Do you think this is a helpful question to ask ourselves? Would you tell someone? Hey, maybe. No, no,
2: I wouldn't. I would say, in fact, I I don't. What I do say is probably what is Jesus doing around you? I'll ask some version of, well, let's let's talk to God right now and find out what is God's invitation for you in this moment. Mm. What is God asking you or inviting you to do? Because what we do know is in situations like that, God is calling us to Christ likeness and to intimacy with him. But it's not because of like like the the action should outflow from the invitation from God the the act of worship but i mm. i still i i actually preached about this last weekend i don't want us to get away from the fact that like obedience to God is essential part of our faith and i think sometimes we can forget that mm. but like james talks about look even the demons believe like we we Our faith has to be backed up by action. Our life has to be lived in submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. None of us do it perfectly. I don't do it perfectly. But I do think asking ourselves, what would Jesus do? Like, what would obedience to God look like in this situation is still a really faithful question.
1: And I think you're right. Unpack that for us a little bit, that obedience is kind of not in vogue these days. Obedience is kind of... But it's an essential part of what we're called to be, what we're called to Mm -hmm. do, what it means to follow Mm -hmm. Jesus, help people. So you've preached on it, so Mm it's much longer, but help us understand why that's an important element.
2: Well, one, we're called to all throughout scripture, God's people from Genesis all the way to, you know, Revelation are called to be obedient to God's commandments to the way of Jesus. But two, I, I, I actually saw somebody post this and she said something like, I'm so tired of Um, I'm so tired of the language of like, God wants to use you. Mm. And I understood what she was saying. She was saying, God, God doesn't use us like that has a negative connotation. But, but how she finished it was, even if you're not doing anything, even if you can't, even if you're not moving, even if you're not growing, even if you're not, God still loves you. And I was like wholeheartedly. Yes, 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 that's true. And also, as Christians, we are called to live a certain way. Like, that's biblical. And so I don't think that's about ability or function. I know that there are people with different abilities that can and can't do certain things. But at the end of the day, like... Christians are called to be people who follow in the footsteps and in the Christ likeness of Jesus Christ. Mm. Now, the Holy Spirit's the one who does it. We don't force it, but we do make choices. Are we going to obey God or are we going to obey ourselves? Right?
1: That's good. Uh, and, and I think that's a needed word right now because sometimes we swing that pendulum way too I think far. so. God doesn't care what you do. Mm-hmm. It's okay. He'll forgive you. That's the beauty of grace. All of which are true. Yeah. There's a yes and to that. That's and right. We, uh, and I think that's helpful. WWJD uh, brings us fun, back. Fun
2: to bring that back, Brian. Brings us I back like it.
1: to our junior high days. Here's some weird stuff we found on the internet. Here's some more weird stuff we found on the web. Aubrey, there's a couple things we love to do uh, on a Friday. One is a top five list. We're going to do that later on in the show. But the other one is we like to uh, take a walk through <laughs> the craziness of the internet. The
2: crazy world of the internet.
1: The internet can inform us. It can challenge yes. us. But it can also just go, wow, the world is a crazy place. And we can read stories. A lot of times they're from Florida. A lot Ohio. of times, Ohio a lot of times also they involve the lottery. Yeah, I was you just saying to...
2: lottery and drug driving shows up a lot.
1: <laughs> right? Lottery and drug driving. <sighs> Oftentimes yeah. together.
2: Yeah, yeah, and it's true, so. it's
1: true. These are stories from the internet found by our executive producer, Keith Conrad. And here's what he does. He walks into the studio. He hands them to us face down. Yes. So we haven't even seen them. Yep. We're not reading them. We're not. We're reading them off Mm -hmm. of actual paper.
2: Yes. Old school.
1: And we have not even seen them. So I'm going to let you go first.
2: (gasps) Okay. I'm so excited. All right. Oh, this is a story out of Massachusetts. I already love it. Escaped cow leads authorities on a chase in Massachusetts. There is a picture of a cow running down the street. Authorities in Massachusetts, Massachusetts, <laughs> shared video of an escaped cow showing. <laughs>
1: you got to do it. I'm All right. For okay. You. All
2: right. This is in quotes. Uh, showing quote total disregard for the move, move. Movie? No move. Move? Okay, let me start this whole thing over. Authorities in Massachusetts shared a video of an escaped cow showing, quote, total risk disregard for the movie over law while being chased down a road. The Wareham Department of Natural Resources said in a Facebook post the cow was first spotted Tuesday in the Ricky Lane area. The cow named Rosie, that's such an appropriate cow name, isn't it? Rosie letter made its way to a wooded area near the Maple Springs Wildlife Management Area. The department said in a Wednesday morning update that Rosie is back home safe and sound.
0: Don't kid yourself, Jimmy. If a cow ever got the chance, he'd eat you and everyone you
1: care about. I, I like a good cow running story. We do uh, We do apologize to all the Rosies out there for, <laughs> <laughs> for Aubrey's editorial. Fair. Yeah, that's true. I'm sorry. Next one's out of Pennsylvania. Whoa, this is pastoral alliteration. Hey! Police pursue Pennsylvania pierogi pilferer. Amazing. A burglar broke into a Pennsylvania residence and only stole a bag of pierogies <laughs> valued at $10. Aww. The suspect, cops say last month, burglarized the apartment of Tyler White, tw- age 26, a village, in a village about 15 miles from Williamsport. The thief made off with a five-pound bag of Mrs. T's brand pierogies. Hey! Investigators valued the pilfered pierogies at $10. In addition to stealing the frozen pierogies, the burglar caused minor damage to drywall. The investigation is ongoing. Mrs. T's pierogies often described itself as the largest provider of pierogies in the country. They're equally amazing. Boiled, baked, sauteed, grilled, air fried, or tossed in a slow cooker. You filthy criminals.
2: Wow, okay, I gotta try some... This felt like more like an ad for Mrs. T's pierogies than it did for the actual crime. That is true. Okay, well, that's interesting. Freaking for the... They must love those pierogies. All right, out of Canada. Well, it's gonna be a nice story. Yeah, Canadians are so nice. That's so <laughs> true. I moved here from Canada, and they think I'm slow, eh? Uh, <laughs> this is a good story. Music teacher plays trombone, to scare a bear away from school. A British Columbia teacher, uh, music teacher who saw a bear lurking outside the school where he works managed to drive the animal away by playing the trombone. Tristan Clausen, a music teacher at St. John's Academy in Shonigan Lake, said he was alerted to the presence of a bear sniffing around the wooden structure that houses the trash cans outside the school. Klausen said another teacher attempted to scare the bear away by banging on a door. I thought, well, I can do better than that and reached for my trombone and went out, he told the news. A video recorded by a student shows the bear becoming startled by Klausen's playing and hurriedly left the scene. He had a lot, a lot of attention in my direction and was figuring out what to do and decided discretion was the better part of valor. He told Czech News, I'm trying not to take it personally.
1: Hey, boo-boo, let's see what we got in this picnic basket.
2: My um, son is going to start playing the trombone next year, so I feel like i got to tell this story to him. He can rescue us from bears.
1: Ooh, okay, that might get loud in your house. Uh, you think? Your house, i got yes. a
2: saxophone player too, Brian. <laughs> no bueno at my home. Do you
1: remember, uh, Keith, our producer, is normally the one who does um, who normally does Simpsons stuff, but do you remember the Simpsons episode where he goes, saxomophone? <laughs> I didn't watch The Simpsons,
2: so I don't remember, but it sounds funny.
1: <laughs> saxophone. Saxomophone. I'll always think of that when I hear a saxophone. Pens- I'm all about Pennsylvania Yeah, you today. are. Uh, <gasps> see, no. This is my nightmare. This is I'm a nightmare story. Talking to my children no. about how much I don't like amusement parks.
2: And I love amusement parks. And
1: I don't like Pennsylvania either. It's next door to our state, and I had to drive through it to go home from Wheaton all the time. So this is both.
2: This is terrible.
1: Pennsylvania theme park ride. Strands Riders Upside Down. Nope. Uh-uh. Passengers on a Pennsylvania amusement park ride were left suspended upside down in the air due to a mid-ride malfunction. Kennywood Park in West Mifflin confirmed the Aero 360 ride malfunctioned and left riders stranded upside down just for a short time. Okay. Maintenance staff responded, quickly brought the ride back to its designated rest position and safely evacuated the riders. Uh, General Manager Mark Paul said three riders visited the first aid center as a precaution before returning to the park. (laughs) The ride is going to remain closed while a review is conducted. No, thank you. Not the
2: upside down part. So my kids like to watch videos of in-park exits. It's like this whole thing where like at Disney, the ride gets stuck. It's not fixable. And so all the lights go on on these rides, right? And, um... And then uh, someone will come and escort people off the ride. And so you get to see these, like, quote, unquote, you know, classic or magical Disney rides. But with all the lights on and you see how. And so people want these in park or in ride exits. So my kids literally will watch watch these these things things. on YouTube. It's so wild. It's so it seems like not great entertainment, but they love it. Okay. And so I feel like this. They might like the story. (laughs)
1: Look what you've got for them.
2: I would not. The upside-down part, no. No, thank you. I wouldn't mind getting stuck on a ride, but the upside-down part, no. 0. 0. When they opened Disneyland in 1956, mm-hmm. nothing worked. Yeah. Nothing.
0: But John, if the Pirates of the Caribbean breaks down, the pirates don't eat the tourists.
2: All right, here we go. You ready for this one? Last one. Last story, out of North Carolina. See, we got another. This is not a drunk driving, but a driving story. A boy ate... <laughs> Oh, this is a nightmare! Drove off in his mom's SUV with a sibling in the back. <laughs> an eight-year-old boy took off in his mother's SUV and drove through a North Carolina city with an infant sibling in the back seat. Okay, this is—I don't even know if I can read this. This is a, such it's a nightmare. end well. Gastonia police said the boy's mother reported that she had handed the boy her keys and asked him to start the vehicle. Well, all right, mom, let's maybe start there. As they left a relative's home on she Tuesday asked an night, eight-year-old mm-hmm. to start the vehicle. Yeah, I, I'm going to be judgy about that. That's not a good move. I'm But police said the boy did more than start the SUV. He drove across town with his one-year-old sibling in the backseat. In a 911 call, the boy's mother reported that two children were missing and the family wasn't sure if someone stole the car or a child drove it away. We tried to chase him down the road, she told the 911 operator. The police spokesman, Rook Dale, said the eight-year-old, who is about four feet, six inches tall, drove nearly two miles to his home and then left again before authorities stopped him several blocks later. These roads that he traveled are not backcountry roads with no other cars. They are well-traveled roads in the city of Gastonia, Goodale said. This could have ended in tragedy. The boy's mother said he had never driven a car and accidentally put it in reverse and then put it into drive when it started moving. The boy said he was scared and drove in the middle of the road to avoid cars but knew to stop at traffic lights because he watched his mom do it. Wow. The eight-year-old isn't facing charges, but Goodale say the police department has referred the matter to the Department of Social Services. Yeah, that mom needs to be facing something. That mom has.
1: I don't know if he drove away or someone took the kids. That is crazy. Yeah, so there's
2: there's some problems Northern there. Carolina,
1: I, I wouldn't believe that if that was much more of a Florida story.
2: I, I agree. That's a Florida story, but I'm glad they're okay. Let him go,
1: Lou. Someone going that fast has no time for a ticket. As we close, our apologies to all the Rosies out there. That <laughs> Aubrey said what she said I about I stand
2: you. by it. It's a good name for a cow. I stand <laughs> by it. We have said on many times on the show, we're pastors. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian pastors Four Corners in Donner's Grove. Kevin and I pastor Renewal Church in West Chicago. And Brian, I think it was last week, we talked about the greatest heartaches mm-hmm. for pastors. And it got a little depressing. I think by the end, you and I were kind of like, ugh. So I thought we would uh, we would come back to that, and we would talk about the greatest joys of pastoring. There is an article that we'll get to in a minute uh, over at ChuckLawless.com. He talks about some of the greatest joys of pastoring. But what would you say, personally, are some of your greatest joys?
1: Oh, that's I love talking about that. I think a couple things. One, I think preaching is a great joy. Mm. To be able to work during the week, craft a message that you think— um, is is faithful to the scriptures and also needed by your congregation. I think when you be when you're able I know you get to do a lot of like speaking, yeah. kind of come in for the weekend yeah. and go, which I've never really done, but I would assume you even feel like there's something more special about speaking to your people. Yeah. Your I I, I enjoy the week in, week out and yeah. all that. So that's one I would say another joy for me. Even it's interesting, we had this conversation about friendships earlier. Uh, but despite that, I just like the people who make up the church. It's like you're linking arms with them. And, yeah. and just that communal yeah. aspect uh, is is special. So what about you? What are the joys of pastoring for you?
2: Um, I would say like events, meaning I love um, doing people's weddings. Mm-hmm. I love uh, doing baby dedications. I love baptisms. Um, I even love leading the Lord's Supper. So like, Special events in people's life that the church gets to be a part of, leading those, administering those, you know, whatever language you want to use, that feels like a great joy and a great privilege and a great honor to to do as a pastor. So I think that premarital counseling too, like some yeah. of those things, I think are really, really special. Good. So um, here's what uh, Chuck Lawless says. Okay. Uh, he uh, can we just he, pause and yeah. say
1: what an awesome name for a pastor know, that would be? Chuck
2: Lawless. I'm all
1: about grace. I'm Chuck Lawless. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah it just has like a like i'm cool my name is chuck lawless do, do, you, What's up,
1: do you think I'm a fun, do you think i'm a fundamentalist illegalist a no i'm chuck I'm lawless, chuck lawless.
2: <laughs> i love the name chuck lawless wears sunglasses all the time no doubt. Yeah, he no for sure doubt. does. He's uh, He teaches a class at Southeastern Seminary called Pastoral Ministry and Leadership. By Chuck Lawless. By Chuck Lawless. <laughs> <laughs> and he had students interviewed pastors who had been pastors more than 10 years and asked him this question. These were some of the findings. Okay. I like how he gets his students to do the research for him and then he turns it into an article. So well, well done, Chuck Lawless, with glasses, sunglasses. Okay. Number one, seeing people come to know Jesus. That's good. When you say that's totally I one. Think, I yep. think that one works. Yep. He says um, seeing people, quote, get it. Mm-hmm. There's nothing quite like when a lay person's genuinely connect with the gospel and their eyes light up with excitement. Every pastor loves it when that happens. I would say with that, Brian, like that's really true, is seeing people also get like the mission and the vision of the church and be excited about yeah. it. That's yeah. that's good, too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, sending out workers when you raise up and send out church planters, pastors, missionaries, even if you're sending out your best. Hmm. Um, seeing radical transformation of lives. So like breaking sin patterns, healing broken homes, repairing fractured relationships, experiencing church change. Um, this is kind of interesting. I would not have said this one, but he says, because pastors have been in ministry for more than a decade, some have been in the same church for some time. They've seen their church overcome much to move forward. And they've seen congregational miracles take place. Interesting. Yeah, that's that's a good one. I usually
1: think of church change in negative ways. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, uh, things are changing right. or people are right. different people or all this stuff. So that's an interesting one.
2: Yeah, he's talking more about like overcoming hard seasons, yep. I think. Um, watching members grow up literally and spiritually. When you've served one congregation for years, you get to baptize kids who grow up, marry, and then have kids that you help dedicate to the Lord. That's pretty cool. Interesting. That's awesome. And then he always oh, he says what you said, preaching the word. It can be a heavy task, but something happens when the preaching bug bites you. The fire seldom goes out, even when ministry is hard. Even the pastor who has been deeply wounded, deeply often still loves to preach the word of God. Do any of those really stand out to you or any of those surprise you?
1: I think the change one surprises Yeah, It does. And also there's a long-termness there of watching members grow up Mm -hmm. where he's like, you baptize them and then their kid. Like there's a perspective there that says, I'm going to be here for a while. If you're, yeah. you know, I can't, like right now, if you told me you're going to do the baptism, say, or, or the wedding of somebody's kids who they haven't even had those kids yet. That's amazing. Well, now, that's yeah. A, that's a different perspective. But I do like this list. I think the, the overarching theme in here is the joy of being a pastor is often being able to be... um deeply involved in people's lives whether it's through a wedding or a funeral or whether it be through walking help Mm -hmm. walk them through difficult times or, or celebratory times or helping them understand the gospel whatever it is I think you know, we talk about a lot of the difficulties of pastoring, and we did it earlier in the show, but yeah. one of the joys of pastoring is being able to really do something in which you can invest in people yeah. uh, in meaningful ways. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's it. I think, and that's a lot of what he touched that's on. That's kind there. of
2: what the umbrella is for a lot of these. Now, now here's something interesting. Somebody commented on this, uh, Brian, a guy named Mark, and Hi, Mark. he said, when do the mere mortals ever get to see the pastor or minister happy? And this author, Chuck Larless, was like, I'm not sure if I understand. Clarify your question. And he said, too many times, the ordinary people in church never see the pastor happy over anything. It is obvious that some pastors don't like conducting weddings, baptisms, etc. Some appear upset by the time they get up to preach. My question was, when do the people get to see the joy reflected in the pastor's actions? And he answers, thanks for the clarification. I, too, would hope that folks get to see more often the joy of pastors. Do you think that's he's just in a weird church? Because I don't know. Even burnout that, pastors, yeah. I feel like, don't get up grumpy.
1: That absolutely, I would absolutely tell that person, you might want to consider a different church. Because I, yeah, I'm up laughing and joking all right, the time with right. people. Like, there's time for seriousness, but sometimes I think I tend towards the opposite problem. Like, mm-hmm. When do we get to see our pastor <laughs> with some gravity? Be a little more and like solemn, yeah, right? but, yeah. Yeah, that's a weird, weird I
2: know. I I thought that was a weird I thought that was a weird comment and maybe like, oh, I don't know if that pastor might not be okay. Somebody else put I love youing and working with the congregation as a team, all working together for the cause of the kingdom. I think that's another joy too is is seeing that goes under. I think seeing people get it. And then I would also say too, Brian, wouldn't you say I I'm going to speak for Kevin here. You know, he Uh, we had a lot of staff transition in COVID, some recent staff transition. And right now I feel like he's really pouring into a team of people and got a team of people pouring into him. And they're just starting to thrive in this new season. It's really, really fun. Like coming out of COVID, it just feels like there's a lot more church health in our staff than there even was a couple of years ago, even a few months ago. And I, I can tell he's more joyful because the team's, The team he's leading is starting to like get it and catch wind and get like a fresh, like a fresh fire and a fresh vision. vision. So, I think even just leading your staff or leading the teams is part of the joy of pastoring too, especially when they start to make sense of things. I think
1: when there's that camaraderie Mm -hmm. and the we're on mission together, we're doing something, and whether it's with staff or just the church as a whole, I do think. And it, this isn't really measurable, but when there feels like there's momentum, yeah, it, it changes. That's like the, so true, it really does change. And that's one thing that made um COVID so difficult, right? Because there was zero momentum. But I think a lot of us feel like there's either a lot of momentum now or just you know, little little sprouts of yeah, momentum. And I yeah, think that, that is always energizing.
2: Yeah, that is always energizing, always good. All right, so those are some of the uh top. Um, greatest joys for pastors. All right, Brian, it's Friday. And that means it is one of our favorite things to do. Brian Fromm and myself, Aubrey Sampson, love to do a top five list. Top five, top five, top five, top five, top five, top five things with Brian and Aubrey. Okay, Brian, you heard the theme music. Why don't you tell the people what the top five list of the week is? So this
1: week, we thought it would be fun. Let's picture, let's set the stage here. You're on a desert island. Yes. For some reason on said desert island, you have a VHS machine, a DVD player, mm-hmm. a home theater, whatever mm-hmm. it will be, and you can only have with you five movies for the rest of your life. Yeah. So this isn't what are your five favorite movies, although it kind there of could plays be. out that way. There could be some, way.
2: yeah, some overlap there. But
1: you've got to be able to rewatch these movies yeah. over and over yeah. and over again. A uh, couple caveats. Uh, you can't say I want all of the Lord of the Rings to be worn. right. You nope. cannot
2: say entire franchises. No, nope.
1: you can pick one, mm-hmm. or you can say you can pick I three. Want, I want all of this one. Mm-hmm. These are going to be my five. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, and extra points if you choose like Left Behind series or something. But I don't think either of us did.
2: Oh, I didn't know there were bonus points for that. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, you ready? You want to start with your number five? My number five,
1: uh, and this is somewhat seasonal.
2: <gasps> Elf. Brian, this has never happened in the history of the common good. My number five is Elf. is Elf.
1: This has happened before. Elf
2: is very well. I guess I mean that we are the same name, the same number at the same name, okay, same. Type. To, you know the, what I'm trying to say? What, that are, what are you trying to say? I don't know. Just go <laughs> with me, uh, Elf, because it's very rewatchable.
1: Yes, it is, yeah. especially at Christmas
2: time. Yeah, yeah. You gotta have a Christmas movie in the run. I lo- I'm so happy we both have Elf. Okay, uh, number four.
1: Uh, you know, I just thought I'm, I'm going to stick the way we're going here. But I did have I, I grew up watching the 1986 Mets uh, season in recap. Oh. And I wouldn't mind having that with me. But I'm going to I don't think that's what we were shooting. That's for not here. quite the category,
2: no. but that's an interesting thought.
1: Number four for me. And I also thought through what are the things that I always stop at when they're on TV mm-hmm, and, I and like watch rewatch them. them. Uh, and so that's a couple of them on here. Uh, number four, I'm going to go with Shawshank Redemption. I
2: knew that was going to be on your list. I knew I it. I yeah.
1: love Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. Uh, some dark moments in it. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. But uh, y- even though you know it's coming,
2: mm-hmm.
1: when he outsmarts them at the end. Yeah. Spoiler so alert. Uh, <laughs> really? You, you, I could watch that every time.
2: Okay. So that you wouldn't get bored by that movie. I don't think so. Okay. All right, good. I knew that was going to be on yours, so well done. Well done being you. Thank you. Well done being consistent. I'm sure there's some others that
1: you can guess I, that are I, coming. <laughs> I, I have
2: at least one other idea. I'm guessing this is not on your list, but maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised, Brian. Uh, my number four is Bridget Jones' Diary, the first one. I love that movie. I will watch it again and again and again and again on my island.
1: Uh, I do believe that you are being sarcastic when you said, that is, is that on my list? Because no.
2: Obviously, I know that's not on your list. Yeah. All right, yeah. number three. Rocky four. Oh, my husband would have had that on his list. Okay.
1: Of all the Rockies. And it's a controversial take to say that Rocky four is your favorite. Rocky. This is the Russia one. Of course it's the Russia. What's his face? Ivan Drago.
2: Yeah. Ivan. And yeah. Uh,
1: it's got the best montages. Yeah. Modern Creed dies. Yeah. Uh, Rocky's wife kind of gets mad at him, but then she flies to Russia. Yeah. Uh, spoiler- is he
2: training in the cabin in yes. Rocky four and it's yeah. cold outside? Yeah. Yeah. Siberia. It's a-
1: <laughs> again, again, spoiler alert. He beats the Russian and then yeah. basically single handedly ends the Cold War. Saves
2: America. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. All well of, done, Rocky.
1: If, if, could
2: you do that right now, please?
1: If we if I could get along and you could get along, we why can't we all get along? Like it's a wonderful thing.
2: Okay. I like it. I think that's that's a good that's a good solid choice. All Not right. on my list, but I'm glad no. for you and your island experience. Uh, I'm guessing this one is not on your list either. My number three is Crazy Rich Asians. This is a category where you said they're not always your favorite movies, but this movie is not one of my favorites necessarily, but it is so rewatchable. Like, I will watch it again and again. It's so funny. It's so cute. It's so romantic. So that is, that's, uh, maybe it is one of my favorite movies. But anyway, that would definitely be on my list.
1: If you had to bet a large amount of money... (laughs) And put it on whether yes I've seen that movie or no I have not.
2: Oh what I thought you liked romantic comedies. I didn't though. give you the answer. Okay.
1: Where would you put said money? I think you haven't seen it. That is correct.
2: Yeah, but I'm surprised because you like some rom com. Okay. It's a good rom com.
1: I do I do like rom
2: com. Yeah, I think you would like it.
1: Number two, uh, this is a this could be very loosely called a rom com. It's at least a comedy.
2: Okay. All right.
1: Uh, and it is silly.
2: It oh, I think is, I know what you're going to say.
1: It is goofy. Mm-hmm. It is all of it. It is that mid-90s genre that mm-hmm. that were Happy Gilmore.
2: Yeah. I thought you were going to either go Happy Gilmore or Billy Madison. I love Billy Madison yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And the other day we showed our kids uh, Dodgeball.
2: I forgot about dodgeball. Uh, is it still funny?
1: It is. If you could dodge a wrench, you can, you can dodge, dodge a ball. A ball. <laughs> that's it about all
2: I remember from that movie. But I do remember really liking it. All right. So Tom, no, not Tommy Boy. What'd you just say? You said Billy. Oh, I do love. You said Tommy Happy Boy, Gilmore. Said Happy Gilmore. Happy Gilmore. Okay, that's a good one. Okay, uh, my number two should not be a surprise to you, Brian, or if anyone listens to the show regularly, they they should know that I would have this on. Uh, My list, that is Avengers Endgame. (laughs) I will watch that again and again and again and again and again. I wish I could have like both of the final two, but I'll I'll stick with Endgame.
1: It is a good one. Yeah, it is such a good movie. Uh, Once we started watching all the Avengers, I came to realize how often they're on TV
2: oh really are they on quite a bit
1: all the time I do see
2: Iron Man like some of the Iron Man trilogy is on quite often
1: what is the next one I'm very excited for Thor right Oh, I can't
2: wait oh it's gonna be so good July 8th or 9th okay yeah
1: Uh, couple in my um, honorable mentions you ready a few good men
2: Oh, okay. All but right.
1: Really, just the last scenes, the courtroom scenes. Wow, so, so you, I,
2: you'd pick a whole. It's an honorable mention, honorable, not that's a top why I'm not five. Yeah, bringing
1: it because, yep. but but yes, mm-hmm. you can't handle the truth. Mm-hmm. And wonderful. Of course, Field of Dreams. I love I, Field of that's Dreams. That's
2: not your number one. It is
1: not. Brian, I'm shocked not,
2: by this information.
1: Yes, but I do love the Field of Dreams. Mm-hmm. Uh, braveheart. You know, if I've got to okay. like, if if I got to get psyched up to go cut the trees down, to yeah, build the cabin right. on my on my. You island, need a little need braveheart. braveheart. Uh, the Fugitive.
2: Wow, okay.
1: And then I also had a Tombstone because it's always on TV. You got a
2: lot of drama. You had a lot of drama on the I island. I and, yeah. and
1: whenever Tombstone's on TV, I always stop and
2: watch it tombstone is one i have not seen in forever too you need to watch it okay yeah all right uh, one. you've got mail on mine this was hard bridget jones and you've got mail i was a real toss-up for me so i'm
1: how can you have you've got mail and not sleepless in seattle it's the same movie it's just not, one as the internet. it is
2: not the same movie it is, the it is movie. not the same movie and i love you've got mail.
1: only one of us worked in a video store
2: that's true it's but i movie. only one of us had meg ryan posters on her wall <laughs> Oh, that's a good point. That's a really good point. I should say Tom Hanks posters on her wall. Okay. Um, Jurassic World, the, with uh, Chris Pratt, like the comeback one, not these extra okay. ones. But, but I am excited about the one coming out. I think it's this week. It might be today. And then I had to throw this in because you need some inspiration while you're living on the desert island, and that's Swiss Family Robinson. You got to learn a little bit you about dove, like how dove, to how to build your house.
1: You dove headlong into the setting of where we are. I That's did. Not bad. I did. That's I did. Not bad. All
2: right. Are you ready for your number one?
1: My number one, and this should not be a surprise to people. It is inspirational. It is sport centric. Oh, it is historical. It is. Uh, there's some love story to yeah. it. It is has moments of funniness. It's Hoosiers.
2: Hoosiers. Okay, so you went that instead of Fill the Dreams.
1: I did. I did. Uh, I love Hoosiers, Mm. so uh, that will be my number one movie. Uh, I'm going with Hoosiers. How about you?
2: All right. I am going. This is actually my favorite movie. It's also one of my favorite Christmas movies, although I don't know that it's technically a Christmas movie, but I like watching it at Christmas. It's usually when I watch it it is at Christmas. Die Hard. Die Hard. You got it.
1: Is it really? No, it's not. Die Hard. <laughs> it's like,
2: Little Women. Oh. Die Hard's older sister. Little Women, the new one with Greta, Greta Gerwig wrote and directed. I, think- I love that movie. I've
1: never watched Little Women, as you could probably guess. Yeah. Uh, but this will not. I don't. I've never heard of Little Women described as a Christmas movie.
2: There's just a lot of Christmas scenes in it, and so I like to watch it on Christmas. Okay. Uh, neither one of us have musicals on our you on our what? list. I actually,
1: thought about it because you yeah, do want some musical. You do. In there. I actually almost put in whether. And you know what else we don't have, and I almost put in what. An animated Disney yeah, movie.
2: Yeah, we don't, do we? No, nope, no. Nope, nope, so, but. yeah, that we'll have to, maybe we'll do, like, musicals or animated movies Done. or something on an island. All right, Brian, it is the end of the week and the end of the show. And we've got something kind of fun and special for you. Last week, a 14-year-old named Harini Logan from Texas, eighth grader, for, uh, was crowned champion of the 94th Scripps National Spelling Bee. Brian, after a history making spell off. Did you read about this? I
1: did. I saw it on the Today show. Yeah. Uh the spell off is nuts. It's nuts. For I don't know if anyone's ever watched the National Spelling Bee, but it's like you watch it, I don't like watching it because it makes you nervous, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's like, oh, I can't yeah. handle this. Yeah. A uh, spell off where they had to spell as many words correctly in a like a minute. Right.
2: It was like timed, right?
1: Was just I I couldn't imagine. in
2: eighth grade, so she got twenty two, and her finalists only got fifteen, which is still incredible. Let's be honest, but she won because of that. Uh, she beat twelve other finalists, took home the first place prize of fifty thousand dollars. Um, and the the crazy, she called the experience surreal. I didn't realize how beautiful the spelling bee trophy is. <laughs> and now, now you wish. It I worked. yes, I feel like I lost my, I missed my moment to be able to go after that spelling bee trophy.
1: Yes. That's fair. Do you That's think they fair. make
2: do you think they make copies of this?
1: I do not. Because it's not authentic, then you would not find it as beautiful because you did not earn it.
2: Maybe a Christmas ornament made out of nope. it because it is sure. It is sure cute. Okay, Brian, here's what we're going to do. In honor of the National Spelling Bee, I am going to give you a spelling Quiz.
1: Yeah. I okay. don't think I'm going to do it. Ah, I'm torn on whether I'll do well on this. So okay. let's, tr- let's give it a try. Okay.
2: These are the, the 20 most commonly misspelled words in English. Okay. All right.
1: Hand me your pen. I might need to okay, write yeah, some of these. That's fair.
2: That's fair. Here's a pen. Do you have I've, paper? I do. I'm okay. Ready. All right. Here's the first one. Separate.
1: Language of origin, please.
2: I'm just kidding. English.
1: English. <laughs> uh, I'm going S-E-P-A-R-A-T-E. Boom!
2: But- separate you got it give yourself okay. one point
1: oh i'm counting up my own points. okay okay
2: all right here's the next one definitely
1: oh i can do this one i can definitely do this one uh d-e-f-i-n-i-t-e-l-y
2: brian well done two two. I, on, your, on your next answer i would like you to say the, the word and then spell it and then say the word again okay, okay. um embarrass
1: Okay, hold on. I'm trying. You okay. have to talk through right. some of this.
2: Yep, absolutely. He's working on the word embarrass right. Folks, he's working on the word embarrassed. He's em- really thinking about it.
1: Embarrass. E-M-B-A-R-A-S-S.
2: Ooh. Did I forget an Try- R? You forgot an R. You forgot an R. Oh, Can that's okay. You. That's Can okay. It's still you? solid. Yeah. I wrote it twice. <gasps> he wrote like it twice to see R's. it, folks, and he didn't trust his instinct. You should always go with your first instinct, Brian. Okay, this is a hard one. Are you ready for I'm it? I'm ready. Occurrence. Occurrence. Yes. Okay, right now, folks, he's... He's trying to make a hard choice. Are there two C's? Occurrence.
1: Two? O-C-C-U-R-E-N-C-E. Oh, it's Brian! No,
2: it? it's the double R again. You missed that second R. Gotcha. Gotcha. Occurrence. You know what is
1: not showing well here is my New Jersey education.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here we go. I'll give you a couple more, Brian. Are you ready? I'm ready. Consensus. Do not cheat. He picked up his phone, folks. No, I just I, want to make sure he's text. not Googling it. Okay. Okay. Consensus. Let's consensus. see what he decides. C
1: O N S E N S U S. Well
2: done, sir. Okay. All right. Are you ready for the next I am, one? I am. Unnecessary. Let's see what he does. Let's, he's writing it down. He's got the last I letter. I think it's is it? He's he's second guessing his choice. No, I'm, right. I'm right. Okay. U
1: unnecessary. U-N-N-E-C-E-S-S-A-R-Y.
2: Well done! Okay. All right, Frank, you got one more in you. Yeah. Let's go two more. Let's go two more. I got a lot more in me. Okay, all oh, right. You really okay? Let's keep doing it then. This is a this was a fun one. Broccoli. One of the one of the most misspelled words in the English language. Broccoli. I never would have guessed that. Although it makes sense.
1: Oh, there's three different choices here.
2: Okay, he's got three different choices, folks. Let's see what he decides. What does his instinct tell him?
1: Broccoli. B-R-O-C-C-O-L-I. Well
2: done, nice. spelling bee champ. Nice. Okay, you ready for another one? I am. Questionnaire.
1: Ooh, that's a tough one.
2: Yep. Questionnaire. I was in a spelling bee when I was in fifth grade and I missed the word limousine. I missed the word laundry. Laundry. Yep. Oh. All right.
1: Questionnaire. Let's hear it. Q u e s t i o n n a i r e.
2: Oh, bravo, bravo. Come okay, on. this Jersey's one's tricky. We're gonna, we're, I, I've been going easy on you. We're going to get a little bit hard. Calm. Okay. Calm. Connoisseur.
1: Ooh, that I got no chance.
2: Yeah, this one is definitely like you need word. You need a spell check for this one. But let's see. Oh,
1: there's an
2: e Let's see. Mantra. Okay, oh, no, we're going different. To try Connoisseur. This one.
1: Mm, okay. This is going to be wrong. C-O-N-N-E-S-I-E-U-R.
2: You are so close because you had the right sort of maneuvering in there, but it's Uh, C-O-N-N-O-I-S-S-E-U-R. Okay, here's a tricky one. I would have spelled this wrong for sure. Supersede.
1: Supersede. Would you
2: like that in a a definition?
1: Nope, I already got it. Supersede. Supersede. S-U-P-E-R-C-E-D-E.
2: So this is where it's tricky. It is S-E-D-E. Never. I, ne- I don't think that's right. I just looked it up, Brian. I never in a million years would have said that. Now, Man. let me let me clarify something. This is from the Oxford Learner's Dictionary. Maybe that's how they do it in England and not in America. We
1: it, but we go by the Oxford. Yeah, yeah. So have- I've done 10, and I'm only shooting
2: 60%. Okay, so would you like to try one more that we haven't done yet? Yes. Okay, are you ready? Cat. I'm going to make sure that we got this. I'm going to make sure that we got this in the English. Dog. <laughs> Hat. Uh, maneuver.
1: Oh, maneuver.
2: Yep. We're going to go with the American because it, it is different in, the, uh, in British. So we're going to go with the American spelling of maneuver. In case you're wondering, mo- uh, maneuver is a movement or a series of moves requiring skill and care.
1: Maneuver. M-A-N-U-E-V-E-R.
2: Oh, so close, so close, so close, M-A-N-E-U, E-U, Look. V, oh, folks, he Look. had it, he Look. scratched it out, Look. really, really devastating. All right, let me just read you the other words that are up.
1: And then give me the, the last 20
2: one. 20 most miss. okay, okay, all right. Uh, we said separate, definitely maneuver, embarrass, occurrence, consensus, unnecessary, acceptable. I didn't give you that one, broccoli. Oh, I could have
1: easily gotten acceptable.
2: Referred. I'm gonna save. I'm gonna save number eleven for you for the last one. Uh, Supersede. Questionnaire. Connoisseur. A lot. Entrepreneur. Particularly. liquefy, mm. Conscience. And parallel. Are you ready for your last word?
1: Last one. This is I win or Kevin okay. wins. Here okay. We go. Bureaucracy. Oh, no chance.
2: It is a noun. The system of official rules and ways of doing things that a government or an organization has, especially when these seem to be too complicated.
1: No, Here's bureaucracy
2: right. in a sentence. We need to reduce paperwork and bureaucracy in the company.
1: There is no chance I have this right. Uh, B-U-R.
2: Yes. E
1: a u c r a c y. You
2: did yeah. it! Yes, You're on the <laughs> Brian gets the spelling trophy. That was thrilling! Wow, well done, Brian. I'm impressed. You were you I were did. game for that.
1: All right, I didn't think I didn't think I was right, but I got it. I got it. That was fun. That Thank was you. fun.
2: Yep. Anytime. You know, I would
1: have definitely defeated your husband at that.
2: I think that is actually true. But you know what um, word I always misspell? Rhythm.
1: Oh, easily. Yeah, I'm surprised
2: that wasn't on the list. I thought that would be. All right. Well, let us know what words you misspell all the time. And thanks so much for joining us today to see Brian in action, the spelling bee champ in action. We'll be back again on Monday from 4 to 6 p.m. For Brian From I'm Aubrey Sampson. And you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life.